Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. What's, What's good, up? man? <laughs> Not much, man. Hey, I've watched um, Prometheus, uh, the you know, what the fifth Alien movie the other day, and man, I was terrified of it. It's not as good as I remember it. I remember thinking like ten years ago, man, this is like great, best Alien movie since the first. Uh, but it there's a lot of just it's meaningless. It's the point of life. There is no point. It's very dark and eerie, and I went to sleep, and I had dreams about it all night, did not sleep well, so I can't recommend this movie. Uh, have you seen Prometheus? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. I definitely remember liking it, um, but I don't think I had such a, uh, a nocturnal reaction <laughs> as you did. Do you? I do uh, remember being scared of it like eight years ago, but it was kind of like, a, ooh, like I enjoyed that it was scary. I thought the story was well done. This time, I just... Yeah, left it with like, oh gosh, like there is no point to anything, blah, blah, blah. But that's why we're talking about this podcast to give us hope, to give me hope again. Paint, paint me a picture of like, who do you watch it with? Like, do you watch it by yourself? No, I watched it with my pod. I watched it with uh, a few a few friends. And, and like in uh, real life or like over screens? No, no, in real life. And they seem to enjoy it. Again, I, my friend Andrew, he he thought that, it wasn't as good as the first time he watched it. There are a few incredible scenes, like that scene where the alien baby is being removed from her like, uterus by that like C-section. That was insane and totally worth watching the movie. But otherwise, it was just like, oh man, just, I don't know why it struck me as so scary. Yeah, feels like some analogy about your life. God is gonna like rip something. <laughs> what was it last week? My father figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love doing psychoanalysis of the things that you enjoy. That's what this podcast is really about. For real, man. All right, that's cool. Um, and nothing else. Nothing else is happening. No, oh, man. It's starting to get colder here in New York City, so I'm a little bit jealous of you in Austin. But. Yeah. That's yeah, nice here for sure. Just just riding the waves, man. <laughs> riding that third wave. Just getting in the barrel, putting my putting my knee down. We're not there quite out. yet, but uh, yeah, I guess it feels kind of inevitable. But we'll see. Please, Lord, no. All right, so we're doing the collect for Christ the King. Anything um, anything worth noting about this Sunday in the life of the church before we look at specifics of the prayer? Yeah, this is the last Sunday of the church year. For those of you who don't know, uh, the next week is the first Sunday of Advent, and that is the beginning of the church year. So though it usually occurs in early December or late November, that really is the start of the church calendar. So here we're finishing yet another year in the 2000 plus year history of the church. This is very inspiring. Um, are you, are you, do you get excited about Christ? Like, I mean, uh, this is probably not that interesting for people who are not 
that interested in like the yeah, lives of is. pastors. But like, do you get excited for Christ the King Sunday in a way that you would not like that's different than just like your typical Sunday in September or October? I actually do. And you're going to see in a minute as I analyze this collect, but I think that this, uh, we've already talked about her in the past, but our matriarch in the faith, Fleming our Rutledge, queen, our queen. is all about Christus Victor, which means like Christ is victorious over the powers of sin and death. And I think that this collect really kind of rams that home. So I don't, want, I don't want to jump the gun though. All right. Well, in the spirit of ramming at home, let's pray. <laughs> Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved son, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth divided and enslaved by sin may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Break it down, Reverend Ben. All right, here it is. So we talk about, obviously, it's called Christ the King Sunday, uh, which is kind of a, this is a 20th century invention. We didn't used to have this Sunday in the church calendar. Actually, a Roman Catholic Pope is the one who made it. And so... Me and my Protestant leadings, I'm always like, ah, what is this kind of freaking hate Catholic? <laughs> is this some, honestly. some popery? Um, but uh, no, I, I really like this collect and really think it, it gets across. It, it, when properly understood, I think this Sunday and this collect are very important. I think that a lot of times as Americans, we think of monarchs or kings, we equate that with uh, tyranny. Uh, we are American, we are part of a republic, we're all about democracy. We have been taught uh, from an early age about all the bad kings in history. But the Bible makes clear to us, as much as we wish that everything were democratic and we could decide everything, that Jesus is Lord. In fact, part of the first gospel proclamation was that, that Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. But that by itself really isn't good news. I mean, again, we've known lords and a lot of lords are all about themselves. But the reason why this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, why he is good, is that he wills, as the Colic says, to restore all things. Uh, we in the Prayer of Humble Access, which uh, some Episcopal churches pray essentially right before communion, we say that we serve a Lord whose property is always to have mercy. So this king, unlike the kings that we've read about, wants to restore all things, to make right all that has gone wrong, and is a Lord whose property is always to have mercy. That's the flip side of the Lord thing. I think of uh, lords and kings, as you do something wrong, you're thrown into some dungeon somewhere or you're executed. This Lord is someone who would rather put himself on the cross in the execution chair than let his people go there. He is that merciful. He's that good. And that's why him being our king is actually good news. So again, there's that the two things going on there. Jesus is merciful. He's a merciful Lord. He's also a Lord who wants to make right all that has gone wrong in the world, all that we've done wrong, all that, you know, has been done wrong to us by, you know, natural disasters or powers and principalities. But yeah, this is a good Lord. 
So I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> um, the short answer, as always, is no. Uh, uh, no, uh, <laughs> such a funny rhetorical device people like us use. Like, yeah, no, I don't have anything to say. Well, I mean, and then you just like pontificate. This um, is why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, so yeah, what I'm hearing you say is like the, you, when you pray those words, whose will it is to restore all things, you kind of, your mind goes to the cross, um, as opposed to some type of like revolution from above. It's more like the self-sacrifice from below. Is that, is that, am I hearing you right? I think, I think both things are true. I think in the cross things are restored, but also I, I do view this, uh, the big word is eschatologically or end times. Like when, when we see Christ face to face, when the new heavens and the new earth come down, I do want to emphasize that as well, that God in Christ will somehow undo all that has gone wrong. And I think that's what the book of Revelation or Revelation is getting at with, you know, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Sorrow will cease. Uh, what does that mean when we've experienced so much suffering in our world and things that can't be undone, right? Like the reason why I say I'm sorry to Nick when I hurt him is I've done something and I, I can't make it right. I can just plead for Nick's forgiveness. Whereas our Lord is, offers us forgiveness, offers us mercy, but also somehow this almighty God is going to be able to undo all that has gone wrong. I think that that is what this college is getting at a bit with the, it restoring all things in your well-beloved son. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to just, trying to imagine some type of like appetizer for that main course, right? If the main course is eschatological, as it were, like it's kind of awaiting it and we're like at the dinner table thinking like, man, freaking hungry. When is that meal going to come? What, like, what can you, can you think of like a, like an appetizer, like some type of foretaste of like that, where we get a sample of the coming meal as opposed to just purely kind of starved anticipation. Are there ways yeah. in which we can taste now of that type of restoration yeah. to come? No, I, I mean, that's a great question. Cause I wouldn't want people to come away from this thinking that this is all like, like pie in the sky or just, just for the future and just gritted out through this life. But I, I think maybe that the second part of the colic gets to it. Um, mercifully grant the peoples of the earth divided and enslaved by sin may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule. And so this, this part of the prayer really looks to the future. We are enslaved. May we be freed. But there's also this notion at the cross that we have been freed, that we have been, we who've been enslaved by the powers of sin and death, capital S, sin, capital D, death, that we really aren't as free as we think we are. We are enslaved by these things. And that's why we keep on falling back on those same sins over and over again. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know, <laughs> gossip or, you know, something maybe even more serious. I'm not, not sure it's more serious, but like alcoholism, uh, whatever it is for you, maybe it's just like hurting those whom you love. You don't want to, but you keep doing it over and over again. But I think the hope in the here and now is that this, of course, this is a, a future promise but it's also true now. It's been true since Jesus died on the cross, uh, that we have been liberated. And we, 
we experience inbreakings of this in our own lives today. Uh, sometimes inexplicitly, I will do something for someone else that I, I just, I don't really want to do or, and I just find it comes naturally. It's, um, I think we were talking about this uh, the other week. It's uh, loving is hard, um, but sometimes loving comes easy. And I'm not just talking about uh, romance or infatuation. Like every once in a while, we see ourselves truly loving. We were talking about some of our, uh, you know, living saints and how they embody these kind of virtues that we don't necessarily want to emulate like <laughs> word for word, but makes us want to live into these things. And I think about people like them, like they, they have really tasted this freedom in Christ. Again, not that they're sinless or anything like that. And I think that's true for, for, for me and probably for you, listener. You, I mean, maybe you are just in the thick of the mire right now with you know, COVID, with racial injustice, unrest, uh, all this stuff that's happening in our world. And maybe it's like you've kind of put it on yourself of like, oh man, like I am just a, a piece of work. But I mean, there are times when we really do experience this, this radical inbreaking of you know, breaking through the mire, breaking through the rut and the sin, for lack of a better word. I don't know, but what about you? Like uh, feet on the ground, boots on the ground, Nick. Yeah, man of the people. Um, just, you know, card-carrying member of the white working class over here. <laughs> now, I, I, what I've been thinking about as you've been talking and as I've been, you know, looking, staring at the words of the prayer is the, 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 the paradox, the experiential paradox of, like, of rule or of authority being gracious and liberating and humanizing. And I, I wonder... So this prayer, we'll pray this, I don't know, about a month after the election. And like how difficult, how difficult it is for, for people in our time to really think about, I, I just feel like we whipsaw so, so dramatically from like naive optimism or hope to like cynical cynicism and disappointment. We never have an uncomplicated relationship with the people who rule over us. It's always, there's always some measure of ambivalence or, um, disappointment or I, I don't know. And it, it, so I think in some ways this prayer is, is, is an object of faith. You know, it's, we are saying, you know, by faith that there is one person who exercises their rule in a way that is unifying rather than dividing, liberating rather than constricting. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's always a tension whenever you're talking about anything Christian, whether to emphasize like the continuity with what we experience now or the discontinuity. And I think this prayer, at least in my mind, is, is, is the, the stress is on the discontinuity. Like we don't really know what it's like to be under a ruler that has all these wonderful liberative qualities. Um, and I don't know what that really does to the, to the heart and mind of people who are praying this prayer other than just like, Maranatha, may may this may this world pass away, may grace come, yeah. right? Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah for me. It's uh, though every ruler be a liar, Christ is no liar, and that's why we can trust him as our Lord. We've rightly experienced 
yeah, we just rightly experience skepticism about our rulers. There's so many promises that are unmet, so many things that are said and not really backed up. I mean, our prayer, right, is like, let these rulers be, you know, represent the people and not themselves, let them really be for the people. And here we are really given that promise that this Lord, this King even, <laughs> we don't see or serve, you know, a republic in the grand scheme of things as Christians. We serve a King and a kingdom, but that is good news because he is the one whose property is always to have mercy. He is the one who wants to restore all things, to make right all that has gone wrong. And this year, if there has ever been a year, has really highlighted, I think, what has been wrong, what's gone wrong in the past, what's wrong now, and this Lord is going to make it right. And we have nothing to fear in the midst of that because we actually might have something to fear in the midst of that in the here and now, right? Like um, we might be part of the problem of what's gone wrong, but this Lord who's going to make all things right is for us and is merciful. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a pretty good note to end on, man. Why don't you pray us out? All right, let's do it. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.